Hi, everyone, and welcome to Fashion Decipher. My name is Sean Williams, and this episode we'll be talking about the Battle of Versailles. Uh, if you're not too familiar with the Battle of Versailles, it was a epic fashion show night that took place back in 1973, where American fashion was finally respected and just debuted in a way that French designers just it, it awakened them to really what American design was because prior to that they weren't really respected but let's get into it we're also going to talk about how black models won the night and actually helped the battle be what it was so the Battle of Versailles fashion show was a fashion show that took place on November 28th 1973 and the reason why this battle ever took place was because the Palace of Versailles was deteriorating and it needed to be restored the concept of the battle was created by Eleanor Lambert. And for all those who are not familiar with Miss Lambert, she was an American fashion publicist. She was the one that was responsible for the increase of and the popularity of the American fashion industry that we know today. American fashion designers did not have the same following or credibility as European fashion designers. Um, and we'll get into that later on why. But Eleanor Lambert, you know, was this doyon of PR. She was uh, one that founded New York Fashion Week, the Council of Fashion Designers of America, and the Met Gala, as well as the International Best Dress List. So, you know, all these things that you may or may not know was created by her. You know, she had a conversation with Gerald Vandekamp. He was the curator of the Palace of Versailles. And, you know, Versailles was a place of the government until 1789. And it just basically was like abandoned and not taken care of. And Vandekamp sought to fund its restoration. And uh, Lambert suggested a solution. And the solution was have a fashion show. And the fashion show uh, would also be a dinner party afterwards. And it would feature five French designers and five American designers that kind of battle each other. And her goal was really to raise the standard and position of American designers of the French designers, you know, of the time. Um, so the five French designers were Givenchy, Pierre Cardin, Yves Saint Laurent, Emmanuel Ongaro, and Marc Bohan for Dior. And the five American designers were Stephen Burroughs, Halston, Anne Klein, Bill Blass, and Asuka de la Renta. You know, Paris felt that they had the bar, like they really were the bar of fashion and no one else can match, you know, their level of design or designers, you know? So, and this was some way that, you know, Eleanor Lambert wanted to like level that playing field. With the American designers, you may or may not know some of these names, but they were all brands, you know, except for Oscar De La Renta that were into ready to wear. Oscar was more like dresses, you know, he studied hawk couture uh, in Paris himself. You know, they were all about clothes you can wear in the moment, stylish, but comfortable. Um, and not, as I mentioned, hawk couture that was like heavily influenced by the Parisians and it wasn't made to order and it wasn't um, hand stench or hand sewn. Um, it was probably manufacturer produced ready to wear, you know, in comparison to what hawk couture is. So let's get into each of the designers. So Stephen Burroughs was um, African-American designer who was from Newark, New Jersey. And he was a newbie on the scene, you know, and he wasn't a client of Eleanor Lambert's PR. You know, he really wasn't anybody that people, um, he didn't have like a long standing in fashion at this point. He had just won the Cody Award 
and his designs were like the freshness. They represented the freshness that were taking place in the streets of New York City at the time. You know, you had um, such a, you know, like a fresh look in the 70s. You know, 70s styles were like very laid back and sensual and sexual. And, you know, Stephen Burroughs had like parts of that in it. Um, and all the rest of the designers, you know, were already established outside of him. You know, and they all had a following in New York. You know, Anne Klein was one of the other designers and she was one of the designers that Paris didn't even want to come to the battle because she was a woman. They didn't respect that. And they just didn't think her clothes because they were sportswear, you know, they weren't considered high fashion. You know, she was a Brooklyn native and she basically designed clothes for the working woman and not for someone who considered to be um, high, you know, society. So they didn't think she really represented high fashion. They didn't think she belonged, but Anne Klein was Eleanor Lambert's uh, client and she wanted her to be there. Oscar de la Renta was the Dominican, boy. he's a Dominican born um, designer who designed looks that were picture perfect for women. You know, his clothes was um, just represented to be beautiful and make women look gorgeous and they would wear them to like society clothes. You know, he moved to Paris at 18 from the Dominican Republican and was um, apprentice to designer Balenciaga and Castillo. So, you know, he had like a lot of Parisian um, study under his belt. Bill Blass was from Indiana. Um, he worked at Maurice Rene um, and he later bought them in 1953 and he later named it Bill Blass Limited. He grew the line to be more than women's wear to into swimwear furs, lug luggage, perfume, accessories. And then he later started a menswear brand that was really known for its tailoring. In the documentary about the Battle of Versailles, you know, they say a lot of his demeanor that he had, that he carried around was of a character, which reminds me of what we talked about in the last episode with Ralph Lauren. You know, he created more of a persona and a character less really about himself. So I would say if you don't know about that, go back and listen to that episode as well. We reviewed the documentary of Ralph Lauren. Anyway, the next American designer was Halston, which was really popular at the time. You know, he was born in Iowa and he reinvented uh, what the American style was. You know, he kept clean lines. Um, he had just like stripped down, bare look to him, but very sensual, very sexy. And... Halston basically turned down Eleanor Lambert's invitation to appear in the battle, you know, which he later changed his mind. You know, he, for him, he was very celebrity driven and he understood the power of celebrities and he just couldn't pass up an opportunity that exposed, that this exposure could bring for him. And for entertainment, part of the portion of the show, they brought in Liza Minnelli. You know, at that time she had just won an Oscar for her performance in the movie Cabaret. So she was part of the American entertainment, you know, and so much had happened in the decades leading up to the seventies when the battle took place. You know, the seventies was an era, like I was talking about before where fashion saw a change, the freedom to dress and to express your personal beliefs within your clothes and self-expression and cultural pride was just exploding at this time. Robin Givon, who wrote the book battle about the battle of Versailles, she made a statement that says like, I feel that Burroughs and Halston were doing such similar work in terms of like the mood with like the Jersey and the clinginess and the sensuality and the dresses that are close to the body. But she felt that Halston had cleaned it up and glammed it up for the Uptown audience. 
um, within New York City and boroughs like left it raw and unfinished for the downtown audience. You think of like the village and like Soho and the LES, you know, kind of more of that scene, which I think that like sums it up perfectly. So, you know, the fashion of American style was deeply different than what was going on in Paris. You know, it was just totally different. American fashion designers, and Robin talks about this in the book, really weren't respected at all within fashion industry. A lot of times you had these designers that was designing for Bertolt Goodwins or designing for uh, Neiman Marcus or, you know, any of these high Bonwit Taylor, any of these high-end retail locations that would kind of copy what the Parisians were doing and put it under the name of the department store. Um, so they never wasn't really creating fashion. They were recreating Parisian fashion, you know, French fashion. It wasn't like an American style. So they didn't have the respect that the French designers had. And I think the bet, you know, not that I think, but I know the battle helped change that. So let's get into the Parisian designers that um, showed during the Battle of Versailles. You know, as I mentioned prior, everyone before was established. They ran hall couture houses, the high style of design, and they, you know, it was made by hand and it was unique and made to order. And the style of the way that Paris showcased their fashion shows, if you have seen any old footage of like Dior or um, from the House of Dior or Chanel, you know, um, models basically, or Balenciaga, you know, models basically carried numbers and they, those numbers represented the items that they wore. So the purchasers could identify the item that they wanted to buy. And the shows took place without much fanfare, uh, very quiet. And every onlooker like looked at each piece up and down, no like showmanship, no music, no rhythm, no, no excitement, you know, no form outside of just really the clothes, no performance. It wasn't performance driven the um, old runway shows. So some of the fashion designers that were invited of the five for the French side was Issa Laurent and YSL was born in French Algeria. And he founded uh, the house of YSL in 1961 with him and his then partner, Pierre Barge. And he was extremely skilled in hall couture. And, you know, he won the chance, everybody knows the story that he won the chance to work under Christian Dior you know, in which he created the trapeze dress. And that was like one of his most famous uh, looks under Dior. Um, and then, you know, he had to walk away from Dior as he was sent away for war at that time. So that's, you know, and then he came back, he created his own fashion house. Then you have Emmanuel Ongaro. He was born in France um, to a father that was a tailor and he taught him his trade. When he moved to Paris, you know, he was working under the design of Balenciaga, very similar to Oscar de Lorenzo on the American side, and Andrew Corrigus, very similar to that as well. And he later owned his own fashion house. And I think he recently passed away back in like, I think 2019, I believe. The next designer up is Marc Bohan for Christian Dior. And Marc Bohan uh, designed for Christian Dior in, I guess, I think the London version or the London label of Dior after East Saint Laurent, right before East Saint Laurent went to uh, war and he was called away to military service. Um, and then he took over uh, the main line of Dior, uh, the head of the brand of Dior. And just a year prior, you know, he just, he was like in a more like reduced role by East Saint Laurent's movement into military. It gave him much more of a broader opportunity. And his style's design was like simple yet elegant, but also very rigid. It didn't have like a lot of full creativity to it. It was very, 
tailored or it looked in a certain way that as I was saying like rigid it didn't really give any like you think of Galliano for Dior very different more theatrical where Bohan really didn't have that look the next one up designer up is Givenchy and he was born in France and on his maternal side he had artists people who worked within the tapestry department and set design his peers in fashion was Pierre Balmain and Christian Dior, and his idol was Balenciaga. By the time like the battle was created, he had already designed for R.G. Hepburn for the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, and he created that balloon coat and the baby doll dress. Um, he recently passed away. And lastly, we have Pierre Cardin, the Italian-born French naturalized citizen um, who worked for uh, several fashion houses before he got to Dior and then creating his own brand line, which he also recently passed away. But getting into like the designers and their background, um, just to give you an idea of who they are, if you don't know, um, Issa Laurent brought like, you know, new changes to the fashion industry in the 60s and 70s. Um, you know, he was slowly getting into uh, ready to wear. And, you know, he opened his own Pret-a-Porter house in 1967, you know, where he started to shift his focus from haute couture to ready to wear. And one of the purposes was to provide a wider range of fashionable styles being, you know, chose from, from, you know, buyers of women buyers in the market. You know, they were also affordable and much cheaper than the hawker tour pieces. So he was really, he was seeing where the um, fashion style was going and he was adapting to it, but it wasn't so much as it was until after the Battle of Versailles. That definitely changed the way a lot of French designers just started to design their, their pieces and their collections. So you have five American designers, as you mentioned, you have the five French designers and they're there to help fund or show support or help raise money to restore Versailles. But because Versailles was just like in such a disarray, the conditions were so bad for them to even be working in. You know, they made the best of it, but some of the conditions that they have recorded or they talked about was just horrible, you know, from just nothing glamorous. I mean, the building was glamorous, they said, but it didn't have heating. It didn't have bare necessities. They didn't have toilet paper. Just, it just was bad, like windows. It didn't have ventilation, you know, so just the basic necessities across the board for these models to be working in or the French designers to be at just were just deplorable. And a lot of them were just miserable. <laughs> so you add all of this up and then on top of which the egos, and, you know, because there were several arguments that went on, you know, behind the scenes, one of which was like infamous that came from Halston. Um, they say in the the Battle of Versailles documentary that Halston walked out of the walked out of the event and was not to show up again until the day later <laughs> of the event, acting like nothing happened. Extremely toxic. <laughs> but you know, that's just what he did. And you know, Liza Minnelli, after, you know, she stepped up and said after he had the argument and he walked out, she encouraged everyone to stay and to continue the show. Like you don't leave the show. So she just really helped everybody who was in shock that this happened and thought the show was over just to continue what you started. So getting into the show part of it, you know, the friends presentation, many, you know, who were there recounted as very stuffy. They had like elaborate sets. And uh, I think Pierre Cardin had a rocket ship <laughs> on the set. They had an orchestra. It was very elegant, very chic, but also very boring. 
their performer though was like it was Josephine Baker and it was like the thing that helped their performance but just not enough to save it Josephine Baker was described as wearing a very heavy fur that she threw off when she got to the stage and she had a feather headdress and a rhinestone bodysuit so you already know if you know Josephine Baker you know like the showmanship and the performance looks that she would wear and they said her performance was just beautiful and outstanding it just wasn't enough to help the French designers and their portion of their show it still was not as great or as competitive or compared to the American part you know the basis of the French presentation was more about the sets and you know I was saying before that it had like these elaborate sets and the models really weren't the thing that was showcased. It wasn't about the clothes. And I, that was part as the book and the documentary talks about part of their misstep, you know, and also the clothes themselves weren't of the moment. You know, as we talked earlier, American fashion in the seventies were changing and it, you know, the French designers held steadfast to their heritage, you know, the heritage of couture, you know, the clothes of the, the moment were free and flowing and sensual and sexy. And it just wasn't that on their end. And also the show was two and a half hours long, they said, like everyone who was there. And it just was way too long. People just got bored. And many say that it was just part of the parts that made the French show just unbearable. And no one remembers what the clothes look like. You know, everybody who talks about it in the documentary and within Robin Givon's book, like no one remembers what the French clothes were. It just was such a long show, which is so many moving parts. The clothes themselves were forgettable. And, but they did have a lot of celebrity backing. You know, they had the who's who, who were there, like royalty of like Grace Kelly and uh, film stars like Jane Birkin, you know, so they had a lot of French royalty there. So celebrity side on the French side was great. It's just that the performance themselves, it just was dated. So in comparison, the American show was so different. You know, the Americans turned, it turned out that it was less about the set and more about the clothes and more about the models. This, the reason why it was less about the set, I mean, they just didn't have a set to start with. In a documentary, they talked about the set designer didn't measure the set in the proper metrics. So they really didn't have anything in the back. Maybe I believe they did say there was just like an image of the, a drawing of the Eiffel Tower. Um, so there was no real backdrop and nothing part of that presentation, but just the looks and the energy from the models, that really was what was showcased. And the only music that the models performed to, there was no orchestra like the French side. It had music, they had music from a cassette player. And also their show was only 30 minutes. So that, it just gave an energy, like you were getting hit back to back to back with American designers and what their looks were. Bethan Hardison was in the documentary. She was also in Battle of Versailles. She was one of the models that showcased there. She said Anne Klein reached out to her because her collection was, you know, ethnically inspired and she needed her help. You know, the look of Anne Klein's clothes in this collection was African. It was an African inspired. Um, the women wore bodysuits and beaded necklaces. And the French, after Anne Klein's models came out, the French were just amazed about the model's skin that was shown and just the nudeness of, of the clothes, they just couldn't believe it. The next designer to present was Stephen Burroughs. His presentation was full of African-American models. 
the color of of his pieces, you know, just the color blocking, the bright colors, you know, that's so much of Stephen's aesthetic. It was all about art and color and music for him. And all of that came out in his designs. And when the models walked the runway, they walked it with such movement and such attitude. And again, this is not anything that the French have seen. That's not how they see models walk runaways. So it was so different to them. It was so new to them. And Black models weren't really used in the fashion, the fashion scene in Paris that much. They were used though. You know, um, It's important to note that several French designers did use uh, Black models, but not to this amount that was being used. So that again, that was another additive that was different for the American designers. You know, at the end of Burroughs' show, um, Beth Ann said she walks out. This is in the documentary. She says she walks out while the rest of the models pause at the end of the stage. And she stops towards the end and throws down the train to her dress in such dramatic um, attitude <laughs> she gave. And she said she stared out into the crowd and the French went wild. <laughs> they stomped their feet and threw their flyers in the air and they were screaming bravo and they were clapping and they just didn't see anything like that before. And just each designer back to back kept giving the audience something that they didn't get with the French designer. So right after Stephen Burroughs came Bill Blass, his clothes were just based upon the glamor of the jazz era. The models were given binoculars and walking sticks or canes, and the models were dressed like something straight out of the Great Gatsby. You know, it had elegance and flamboyance. Right behind Bill Blass was Halston, and his looks was described as a ma magical and elegant. You know, a lot of it played off the lights of the stage, on the stage. And Alva, model Alva Chen said that the collection was like an homage to Folly's Berger. And what was interesting is that Alva was dressed in an asymmetrical black dress that Halston designed for her with a hat, a red hat with a feather boa attached to it. And the dress left one of her breasts exposed. Think Little Kim at the VMAs without the pasty 22 years earlier. <laughs> and to add that, uh, China Mercado was in Halston's lineup as well. And she said Halston had designed a look for her that was just basically a skirt and a feather fan of that just, she held to cover her breasts. And she said in the documentary that Halston kept telling her to move the fan, but she was like, she was not removing the fan to expose her breasts. Pat Cleveland has such an interesting part of Halston's show. You know, he told her to pretend that she was a moth. So Pat Cleveland um, wore this like long ruffled dress with like layers and she twirled, they said, from the beginning of the runway all the way to the end, which frightened many of them because they didn't know if she was going to stop. But they said she stopped like right before the end. And they were, the French audience was astounded. And Oscar de la Renta presented last. You know, he had a model's walk out to Barry White's Love Unlimited Orchestra instrumental song. And they just graced the runway and all his beautiful designs, just such Hollywood and beautiful uh, looks and cuts to them. And the lead model of his um, showcase was Billy Blair. You know, she's an African-American model and she led every other model out. She was like the leader of all of them. 
So those were all the presentations of the American side. And, you know, what's interesting about it towards the end, they talk about how much the audience just said, you guys have the American designers and models have stolen the heart of the French. You really won the battle. Um, we have never seen anything like this at the dinner after the um the battle, they were all just enamored with them and just wanted to talk to them and just really wanted to kind of speak to what inspired them and that presentation. And in the documentary, Beth Ann Hardison has this really touching moment. And she says that Yves Saint Laurent told her that Stephen Burroughs was the only American designer. And she just really was brought to tears at that moment. Um, and right behind that, Mr. Burroughs appears and he says, Saint Laurent told him that he made beautiful clothes. And it was two moments they both say that they would never forget. And that is very touching, you know, for the French side not to think, you know, not to have sour grapes and feel that they lost or was sore losers in any way. They congratulated them for such a successful show and battle. You know, so the night wasn't just a hit for present the presence of American fashion designers, also for American woman designer of Anne Klein, but it, you know it also was a hit for Black music because they showcased Barry White's music. They also showcased Al Green's music, but the main part of it also too was the Black models that were in the show: Pat Cleveland to Beth Ann Hardison to Billy Blair for Jennifer Bryce to Alva Chin, Norma Jean Darden, Charlene Dash. Barbara Jackson, Ramona Saunders, and Amina Wasuma. These were all the models who did the Battle of Versailles, who walked in it and performed in it. And together, they composed nearly 30% of the, the American roster in that show. And, and in 2011, the Huffington Post gave them the Game Changer Award. You know, just be honoring them for being the African-American models of Versailles. And they also uh, gave a style award to Black designer Stephen Burroughs. You know, so this amazing performance, you know, of 10 Black women models who opened doors for future Black models on European catwalks. You know, this is not, not to negate that the future Black models still didn't have their struggles. And to this day, there are still very much struggles for Black models. But it was important to note that this was a door that they were able to open for them. This got them in the door. So, you know, if you are interested in learning more about the Battle of Versailles yourself, please read Robin Givon's book, The Battle of Versailles. It is such a great read. And watch the Battle of Versailles documentary. It is available on Amazon Prime. And we will be posting photos of what some of these beautiful looks and how the models looked during that night on our social media pages. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fashion Decipher, and I will speak to you next week. Bye. Hi guys, it's Sean. Make sure you visit our website, fashiondecipher.com, to get a visual on what we're talking to you about. 
check out pics from events of guest speakers and exhibits. If you miss anything we post, you can visit our archives page. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button, leave your email, and if you like, a comment. Tell us what you think or what you would want to hear on an upcoming episode. Don't forget to follow and friend Fashion Decipher on social media. Check out what we're up to. Speak with you next week.